Tiger fans. Welcome to another episode of Tiger Talk with the 1400 Club. I am the Corey C. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast and turn on those notifications so you don't miss an upcoming episode. You can find us on the Apple Podcast app, Google Podcast app, Spotify, YouTube, you name it. Wherever you find podcasts, we're there. So follow the show and tell every Tiger that you know. Remember, when you support Tiger Talk with the 1400 Club, it all helps the cause, which is the I love Jackson State University. Football is back, and Bet Online is your number one information source for all your sports wagering info with all the up to the minute stats, news, scores, and matchup breakdowns. Get the latest game odds, spreads, and totals from the NFL and college football at your fingertips with Bet Online's real time updates on stats, news, and odds from week one all the way to the college football playoff and the Super Bowl. Bet Online gives you access to the best football promotions and contests available anywhere online. So head on over to the website today or use your mobile device to get in on the action. Remember to use our promo code BLEAV, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. And it is Gulf Coast Challenge Week. Back to Mobile we go to take on the Alabama A&M Bulldogs. And I have an award-winning sports journalist here with me who's also the sports director at Fox 54 News in Huntsville. Friend of the show, you know the name, you know the voice, you know the face. Mo Carter, welcome back to Tiger Talk with the 1400 Club. Hey, Corey, it's great to see you, man. Hope all is well in uh, your neck of the woods. Absolutely, absolutely. Usually when we convene, it's Alabama A&M Jackson State Week. <laughs> we, we always like to catch up and kind of talk about the, the game, the upcoming game. So uh, we're expecting a good one this season. Obviously, Alabama A&M 3-2 and two on the season, but only two games against SWAC opponents, a loss against your Southern Jaguars, followed by a win over uh, UAPB. Uh, but the other games were against an SEC opponent and two D2 programs, so a little bit of an awkward schedule there. But what would you say your quick assessment is of the team so far? So with this team, honestly, I feel like it, you have to take it week by week. Honestly, they had their backs against the wall against a Power 5 program. Yes, I know Vanderbilt is not the strongest SEC team in the world, but they're still a Power 5 program, Absolutely. and they have more scholarships than anyone within uh, the Southwestern Athletic Conference, including Alabama A&M. But A&M, you know, played well. It was a one-possession game well into the third quarter wow. before, you know, attrition started to go mm -hmm. into it. And then, you know, the next week they came out, they – you know, did well against Lane, then got in the conference play against Southern, and which was really a must-win game, I think, for both my alma mater and also for the Bulldogs, and Southern was able, you know, to pull it out. But then from there, short turnaround, Arkansas Pine Bluff, they had to do some soul search, in my opinion, especially on a short week and on a nationally televised stage with it being airing live on ESPNU. And then, of course, they protected the home field against longtime foe Tuskegee in a contest that I did not think was going to result in the way that really? it did. You know, no disrespect to Tuskegee or anything, but I definitely did not think AM was going to beat them as uh, bad as they did. Now the entire non-conference schedule is over and everything is just straightforward with Alabama A&M moving forward, including this big one uh, for both the Bulldogs and the Tigers in the swag, especially when it comes to these East Division standings. So what surprised you so much about the game against Tuskegee? Was it have more to do with Alabama A&M or Tuskegee? I would say more so with Alabama A&M in the, in the way they came out and dominated. I mean, Tuskegee, second play of the game, quarterback throws like a 60-something yard passing play down to the red zone. And then after that, the only thing you get was a field goal. And then from there, 
Alabama A&M response offensively, and then the defense responded Mm -hmm. in ways that many have seen throughout the years. They've just seen them in ways, but they were literally coming after Tuskegee left and right, and not saying they played a perfect game, but they played one of those games where dominate your opponent early, you take away the will to win, and then you kind of just pack on some things. And considering the fact it was homecoming, but these Mm -hmm. guys acted like, okay, this – the festivities ain't for them. The game is for them. It shows that where their true focus was on, and that was winning the game. So I think the focus factor was huge on Saturday, which, you know, lots of times homecoming can be mm-hmm. great for certain people and not so great for other people. It just depends on your focus in the situation. I'm glad to see that, you know, AM had a solid focus in their victory on Saturday. Gotcha. Now, the Bulldogs were picked to finish fourth in the SWAC uh, for this upcoming season. They're currently tied with Jackson State, second place in the East. But, you know, you never know how things are going to play out. But would you say, and you kind of hinted at it, you talked about how important that game against Southern was for both teams. So would you say that a loss for either team, we're talking about Jackson State and Alabama A&M now, would you say that a loss for either team would all but end their SWAC championship hope? I'm not going to say it's going to end their SWAC championship host because there's still a lot of season left. But I will say this. The loser of Saturday's game between Jackson State and Alabama A&M will really be on the outside looking in because clearly Florida A&M still doesn't have any losses in SWAC play. Jackson State, of course, has one to Florida A&M. So I feel that if if Jackson loses, they'll have their second swag loss, or AM loses, they'll have their second swag loss. And if Bam beats Southern this past, I mean, this upcoming week, which is going to be a great game down in mm-hmm. Baton Rouge, they'll Big. still be undefeated. So you're talking about almost three games behind or whatever in that sense, because oh. for Jackson, you know, you guys don't have the head to head. Alabama AM still has to play Florida AM later on. So yeah, honestly, I think that the loser of Saturday's game will kind of be on the outside looking in. Slash, they'll need some help from some other folks. And you and I have been in, you know, been covering swag football for a long time. We've seen that sometimes Mm -hmm. the help can help you out later on in in the season, and other times it does not go for that. But um, yeah, I I really think that Saturday's game down in Mobile is a must-win for both the Bulldogs and the Tigers, quite frankly, especially in that East Division. Yeah, you, you don't want to be the team waiting and hoping for somebody else to lose. So we, we've been in the opposite seat the past couple of years. Teams waiting for us to lose, and it never happened. So, yeah, this is a big one coming up. Now, Alabama A&M, they've played three quarterbacks this season, but it looks like they've settled on a familiar faith in Jacktown, Quincy Casey, of course, the Jackson State transfer. So talk about his progression from when we saw him last season to where he is right now. Man, I'll tell you this. Quincy Casey definitely has a story to tell for sure. Of course, he was at Jackson State, and, you know, one of the times he got a chance to start, he, you know, he he did well against yeah. Alabama A&M. It just so happened that this guy named Aquil Glass decided to just outshine him on uh, that day. And then, you know, really since he's transferred over here, he's had an uphill battle trying to, you know, really – get the playing time and it's just more of those things where practice what you preach and also patience is a virtue he was number three on the depth chart at the beginning of the season uh, behind Xavier Lankford and Quad Brown a Georgia State transfer Mm -hmm. and didn't see any time in the first couple of weeks but then an injury to Xavier and then an injury to Quad thrust Quincy into the starting role and we're talking about like at the last second because Quincy literally was named the starter for the Southern game, maybe 30 minutes before kickoff. Um, Langford got hurt during uh, pregame stuff. 
he tweaked something. Let's just let's just say that. And I had no clue what was going on. I didn't get a chance to make the trip down there, but I text somebody that was with the team. It's like, yeah, man, it's gonna be Quincy uh, Langford's out. So I'm like, okay. And you know, you, you still saw the growing pains, but after that, I think his confidence started to build or whatever. He rallied the team to a victory on that Thursday night against Arkansas Pine Bluff. And then last week, you know, he had one of his uh, better first half performances he didn't really see much time in that second half and there was no reason for him to do so against homecoming but yeah you could tell that he's a guy that sat down he's waited he's been patient and he's really taking a liking to uh, the football players on the offense and they're building that chemistry but clearly when I asked him about Saturday's game Mm -hmm. Dude was just as honest as it is. He was like, look, we're ready. He was like, I know what answer you're looking for, but Mm -hmm. he was like, we win as a team, we lose as a team. So clearly the whole team is focused to play Jackson State, not just him because he's a former Jackson State uh, Tiger football player. Yeah, it looks like he's been listening to his coach because I know Coach Manning talked about he's looking for Casey to just be himself. Don't try to be the hero. Don't try to take it personal. It's just another game. Yeah, we know it's Jackson State. but And he said it. If, if he gets outside of character, outside of himself, he'll be right there on the sideline next to him, not next to Coach Maynard. So uh, definitely he said the right answer in the interview. So let's see if that holds true on the field. Now, as far as that, that quarterback situation, has he done enough to solidify himself? Is there, Has anything been released in terms of or disclosed in terms of the Lankford injury? Are you able to share if he's back or do we know that or is it just Casey's job regardless? So Langford did play a series um, in home uh, in the homecoming game. He's still not 100 percent. He, he really is not 100%, probably the 85, 90 range if I had to go ahead and, you know, give it to you. I mean, I'm no medical major, but, you know, I could tell he's not he's not the guy that started the season. Let's go ahead and just say that as far as from a health standpoint. So, yeah, so right now Quincy is the guy, and I really think that, like, it's really Quincy's job to lose as he continues to grow in this system, has continued to be somewhat successful. I think he can, you know, carry Alabama A&M. You know, with that from the QB spot. Now, if he gets hurt, yeah, that, that's a whole nother thing um, that I don't really want to go into slash. I don't know if I'm actually in a position to really say all that because I'm not a coach. So I can't tell you exactly who they go to. Yeah, you'll have a depth chart, but that doesn't mean that you know, they'll follow it as far as what we see in the press box compared to what you see on the actual playing field but yeah Quincy's been playing strong and I think it's it's kind of his job to just kind of keep rolling with it and of course they've had positive results in the games he started at QB and he's trying to just build upon that and you've seen the chemistry really really work uh, with QC at the helm and one other good thing is that he's got weapons around him and he kind of knows how to share it which I think takes a lot off that load yeah we're not surprised with Quincy. I mean, we saw it. Yeah, we had him as a you know, freshman, freshman, sophomore, so early, obviously, some growing pains. And yeah, we expected maturity and things. We expected that to happen at Jackson State, but <laughs> obviously, we're seeing it now at, at Alabama A&M. But we saw those flashes as a freshman, so definitely not surprised. And you talked about those weapons around him. So talk about that rushing attack, guys taking pressure off him, especially guys like Ryan Morrow, the team's leading rusher, and then uh, Donovan Eaglin, the Michigan State transfer. I mean, those two guys are literally like thunder and lightning for Alabama A&M. They bring different things to the table. I mean, Donovan's a little bit more – well, he's a larger back, but he's still shifty, and, you know, know, he'll run over you, he'll run away from you. Ryan Morrow has more of the shakes and shifts, and, you know, he just puts the foot in the ground and he can kind of go. So it's just good to know that they have a good um, running back room. And, of course, Coach Manor has preached the next man up mentality. You know, Donovan uh, was out the lane week 
or whatever because they wanted him to be ready for swag play. And all of a sudden, here comes Ryan Moore rushed for almost 200 yards to get the swag player of the week in his first true action as a bulldog on the football field. So, yeah, you know, those guys definitely know how to carry the load. And I think it also goes to show you that the offensive line has improved a lot during Coach uh, Maynard's tenure here. And, of course, this is a group of guys who have been together for a long time, whether they've had prior playing experience or not. This core group of guys among the line has, you know, kind of really been able to do some good things as far as in the trenches. Uh, You know, you saw flashes of it against Southern, but Coach Maynard also said that if, they would have done a little bit better. You probably would have saw a W down there in Baton Rouge as well. Yeah, that, that offensive line was definitely on display and noticeable last week. I mean, Casey had all day throw the ball, four touchdowns right at 300 yards. And Bama A&M in recent years, they've been known for having one of the best wideout units in the SWAC. Casey got the ball to a number of different receivers. So talk about this year's group. Oh, man. So this year's group is kind of like um, more so, all right, who's stepping up? I mean, um, Seriously, you know, Terrell Gardner, who is one of the top uh, FCS players when it comes to all-purpose yards, he, you know, he's playing the slot. They've got a couple other guys in the, in the mix. Keenan Hambrick appears to right now be the go-to wide receiver, and, you know, his dad actually is a Hall of Famer at Alabama A&M uh, playing basically the same um, position. So, of course, you know, he takes a lot of pride in that whole legacy role in that sense. He's actually a transfer. came over from uh, Western Carolina, if I'm not mistaken. But, uh, yeah, you know, so those guys are some of the some of the folks he's trying to get the ball to. And then I think a pleasant surprise this year has been Barry White. Yeah, show you right. The tight end started number five on the depth chart. And then all of a sudden, due to starting in the Arkansas Pine Bluff game due to a mix of attrition and injuries and, hey, just showed his work during practice and, He showed up well in these last couple of weeks. So, like I said, Quincy is doing a good job getting the ball to the right folks. At the end of the day, as long as he doesn't throw it to the other team, I think Mm -hmm. it's it's the best uh, recipe for success with them. Right. I talked about that talented group of receivers in in recent years that were part of some explosive offenses at A&M, but the Achilles heel during those times was often the defense. But this team has made some vast improvements on that side of the ball since hiring the new defensive coach, Bull I think a season ago. They're fourth in the conference in scoring defense right now, only giving up 21 points a game. So what would you say are some differences that you're seeing in this year's defense? I think the biggest difference is the guys just really buying in and understanding what Coach Kindness Bulware, you know, was really, really doing. I mean, yeah, last year, his first real true season at the helm, he was on the staff the previous year. But, of course, you know, when you recruit a lot of guys to go with a certain scheme and it doesn't work, it takes you about a year to kind of get some things going. And now that not only do they have the right guys, they have good playmakers as well. I mean, Zarion Hayes, an all-swag selection of last year and a first-team preseasoner this year, he has as you know, shown his worth coming off the defensive end, sometimes stand-up linebacker. Just depends on who they're facing each and every week. So I can go ahead and just say this. Every single coach in the SWAC who has Alabama AM on their schedule, they're looking out for where number four is. They they just they just will. But I think because other guys have been able to kind of step up because they know Zarian is going to get those um 
you know, get those double teams most times. I think because they're playing so well as a unit, that's what's really, really helping. And, of course, they're also finding ways to get to the quarterback, get pressure on the quarterback, and they're getting interceptions as well. Mm-hmm. That was an Achilles heel in the past. I mean, you had some good defensive players, but you weren't getting them to make the plays where they really, really needed it um, to matter the most. So they've got a number of interceptions this year. Now, I will say this. As a former DB, they should have at least four more interceptions. because they, they dropped them. Oh, man, have they dropped them? Um, There were two Saturday. One hit the dude in the chest. The other one, uh, I'm going to go ahead and say the sun just got in his eyes or because he tried to high point the ball and then he just didn't take it down. But, you know, I talked to DB coach. I'm like, come on, man. Like, y'all got to get it. He was like, oh, look, they're going to run for for that best believe in that scenario. So, you know, they have the ability to make the plays. It's just a matter of will they make the plays. And I know clearly this week their whole goal will be to get after Mr. Brown. I know for sure that's what is going to to be for them. If they can get after him and kind of disrupt the flow of the offense, I know for sure that'll allow them to, you know, have a better chance in some things. Because, you know, at the end of the day, as much as I love back and forth situations, I think that if you're able to have a defense control certain tempo of things, that makes it better for your offense in most cases compared to, okay, they got the ball here. Here's a score. All right, now it's up to the other team to get a score, you know, like that so it creates a lot of balance i think too so if i really think if that defense can get after mr brown which is not an easy thing to do i've watched a couple of jack state games this year and so it's not an easy thing to do but if they can then you know it it could uh provide some sort of success for coach maynard coach connor's bullware and the bulldog defense so you mentioned you watched a couple jack state games what are you what's your assessment of the team obviously a brand new team new look with the transformation so what are you seeing I mean, I'll be honest with you. I was really wondering what the heck I was even going to get out of Jackson State because I know there was um, some wholesale changes, Uh not just at the top, but also, you know, with some players as well. And, of course, you know, I remember when Coach TC played at Jackson State, you know, um, about two decades ago, give or take. Mm -hmm. So, you know, and I remember him being a very, very competitive player and, you know, had a little pro pro career Mm -hmm. as well. So I knew that considering that, this is probably a dream job for him nine times out of 10. So I knew that he was going to bring a lot of pride to this program or kind of keep the pride there. I guess it depends on how you look at it, but I kind of just had a big guess as far as what they were going to do player wise. Cause I didn't really know who the heck was coming back. Mm-hmm. I just did. We not. didn't know either. Well, see, there we go. So if, if the people who really, really covered Jackson state did not know, then I know for sure I'm in good standing knowing that I didn't know anything, but we were um, watching you know, that transfer window waiting for it to close. <laughs> transfer portal window. Like what time does it close? 1159. I understand, man. I understand. But yeah, you know, I saw y- y- y'all took care of everything uh, that was given to you uh, against South Carolina state. Um, and then clearly the Florida A&M, scenario i i really think like that kick return really just took the air out of out of uh out of jackson state early on and then what you know early mistakes really really just played into fam's favor compared to playing into your favor i think you guys just got down i appreciate the fight that you guys had like as far as trying to come back but i just think you y'all were just too far down but also i was impressed with the way y'all went down to Baton Rouge and, uh, and and was able to score a victory against Southern. Um, I didn't get a chance to watch it entirely. I was actually on a broadcast for Miles versus Alabama State that day for a Black College Sports Network. But, you know, we had it to the side. So I would look over like, oh, okay. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, uh, but then coming home, talking to my wife, she was like, hey, Jack State did this. Jack State did this. And I'm like, oh, 
Okay, mm. so so you know, so clearly, I think this Jackson State team, I think once they were able to kind of like get what they really wanted to get together from a success standpoint, they've been able to kind of really roll into the trenches and make some things happen. I saw y'all got a scare against Bethune-Cookman. I did. I was able to watch the fourth quarter of that one. Mm-hmm. But once again, y'all made plays late to, to definitely make it happen. So that's why I think that I think really Alabama A&M and Jackson State are kind of in similar scenarios where I think you yep. guys are starting to – well, I say you – Jackson State and Alabama A&M are really starting to try to peak around the same times as far as building momentum and knowing what they have team-wise because clearly things were much different a month ago than what they are now for both squads. And just based on your assessment of both teams and, and also just from talking to Coach Maynard and, and his press conference and things like that, what would you say that he would say would be kind of the keys to victory for Alabama A&M to come away with the win? Consistency. He will say the word consistency over and over and over and over again. He wants consistent consistent play from his quarterbacks, mm-hmm. consistent play from his playmakers, and then consistent pressure from his uh, defensive players, especially up front. So clearly if they can be consistent on offense, they can pressure up front on the defense and basically not give Jackson State additional opportunities. And I know this sounds cliche, but like it really, really is what it is when it comes to it. I think that that's the way they can, you know, find success. Clearly, you can see they can score. It's mm-hmm. just a matter of, okay, can they stop other teams from scoring or find other ways to score or stop the other team in their scoring opportunities? As I mentioned, Big long pass last week against Tuskegee, second play of the game. And then after that, I don't know if Tuskegee ever really got into Alabama A&M territory, let alone the red zone, but like territory either. So that shows you that, okay, you look, this one thing happened. They decided to go ahead and change the mindset and make some things happen. And they were consistent with it from a domination uh, standpoint as well. And of course, too, I think the other thing that they also have to just do well, they've got to just do some good things in the realm of special teams. I mean, kicking has been really, really good. Um, Alabama A&M's kicker has a slew of touchbacks so far this year. So I think that's going to be play. That's going to play a major part, especially with the temperature and the weather this weekend too. It's supposed to be really nice down there compared to last year's game that yeah yeah i heard i heard some uh i heard some nightmare stories um i have an uncle and aunt who live in the mobile area and his company was like one of the uh you know did something with the game and he was just like yeah first quarter he was like yeah we was gone he was like i can't deal with this anymore or whatever so uh so yeah so with the field conditions i think the kicking game could definitely play a major part to this upcoming week and this game, obviously in Mobile, second year in a row for the Gulf Coast Challenge for these two programs. Uh, do you have a general sense of the overall fan interest in this game on the AM side, just in terms of traveling down to Mobile? Well, one thing about Alabama AM, when it comes to the city of Mobile, it's one of their larger alumni and okay. fan bases, just in general. Um, and of course, um, there's somebody on the board with the actual game who has Alabama A&M ties. So that kind of helps out a, a lot with it. But, yeah, I know it is a five-hour trip roughly down I-65. And yeah, you're going to have people complain here or there. But I think for the people who are in the southern part of the state of Alabama, you know, they're, they're grateful to at least see Alabama A&M at least once 
in their backyard. And now with the thing with basketball, where they're going to have a game in Mobile against Alabama State over the okay. started last year, so you got net, you got three more years or whatever with that too. I think that's kind of helping out, um, you know, them from a fan support side and also recruiting side as well. I mean, Coach Manor has pulled a lot of guys from out of the Mobile area along that um, I-65 South I-10 West East corridor to to kind of help out with that sense. So yeah, it's. It's it's been solid for the most part. I mean, and clearly with Jackson signing on, um, I'm pretty sure there's a lot of Jackson State alums and fans probably Absolutely. in that stretch too. You know, you go down was the what US 49? Is it mm-hmm. y'all go down to go down that way? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you know, so I I, I think um, because they've had decent crowds and good support through the years, it's definitely you know worked. And because they've had long term contracts, go with it. I think um, it could be something that rolls on, but, you know, we'll just have to kind of see with it. Clearly, ever since this game that was signed between Jackson State and Alabama A&M for the Gulf Coast Challenge, we, we do have a few new people in, in, in place as far as decision-making okay. now and, and other spots. So, you know, it, it'll be interesting to see how things move forward with it. But you talk, I think from a coach's standpoint, it was like, look, we just got to play the game, man. Right. We just got to play the game. No doubt, no doubt. Good stuff, man. Good stuff. But before I let you get out of here, I always like to get your take on this wild, wild west, especially as a southern guy. But this season is no different. <laughs> Seems like it's just completely up for grabs again. So what's your take on this west? Man, I'll tell you this. For the west, um, one thing I'll say is that I am – you don't hear me say this too often. I was impressed with what Grambling did this past week at the State Fair Classic. I got a chance to watch the second half of that game. And, I mean, just when I thought Prairie View was really, really um, about to come back and probably take mm-hmm. over, Grambling made some great plays. Um, Anderson, the defense alignment for Grambling, like he is definitely making a case to be SWAC defensive player of the year. And he just got a few other dogs on that defense as well. As far as offense, Miles Crawley has been – basically doing what Coach Hugh Jackson uh, wants him to do, and that's, hey, going out and just making good plays, whether it's his arm or his uh, feet with that. So I think clearly Grambling has done some uh, good things thus far. Uh, Prairie View, I think now, because they have that one loss, their backs are against the wall as they get ready for the you know upcoming portion of the season. I'm a little surprised at uh, how things are going with Alcorn right now. Um because one, we're not really talking about Alcorn, and now we also look at me like, man, Alcorn's already, you know, sitting down with this or that. So it'll be interesting to see what comes up with the Braves, Coach McNair and company. As far as my Jags, I was one of the few that told everybody, pump the brakes. Just because you lost yeah. Alabama State, just because you lost to Jack State, the season is not over with. Primarily because I just still think there's a lot of people that did not realize that the Alabama State game and the Jack State games did not count in mm-hmm. swag. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they were SWAC yep. opponents, but they were not SWAC division conference league games. So clearly that Alabama A&M game was a brand new season for them. And moving forward, you know, as long as they, you know, co- continue to play well, I think they'll be A-OK. And I think the bye week show that they were able to just change up a whole lot of things because they just came out and dominated Arkansas Pine Bluff, which like probably put some smiles on a lot of folks but of course this week against fam it'll definitely be a true test especially since the media not the media i want to say the media but you know the sports information directors and the coaches are the ones that actually pick the uh pick the all conference teams and predicted order of the finish so 
fam and southern was selected by those individuals to represent at the end of the year so you get a mid-year treat of that coming this saturday so definitely should be a good one um with that i'll be interested to just see what coach Dooley and company are able to do against coach willie simmons and company um in a cross division scenario which i just found out apparently that game is going to be live on espnu this upcoming week okay no tape delay or anything literally wow. live espnu nice. so Kudos to the swag office for making that happen as well uh, within their power and within their media rights uh, from there. So, yeah. So, as I mentioned, with my Southern Jags and the, I had to literally tell them, like, bump the brakes. You're A-OK. I understand you lost, we lost to Jack State. I get it, you know. But at the same time, we can roll off X amount of victories and still be in the swag championship game. It's just a matter of looking at your swag schedule moving forward and making some things happen and not losing at the time that you do moving forward will help you moving forward. Yep. Definitely a big slate of games in the swag this weekend. So uh, that's what we all be tuned in. But of course the Gulf coast challenge, 3 PM down in mobile, Alabama, ESPN three uh, ESPN plus. And we're expecting, as you said earlier, some beautiful football weather. So everyone make sure you get there. Looking forward to it. And I, I got to tease you before you go, man. You were mentioning uh, those guys dropping those interceptions. You said you played DB as well. So the, the saying is that they players, they put player at DB because they can't catch. So it seems like that validates that. So I'll give you your, your, your chance to kind of <laughs> argue that that myth. Man, look, I know a whole lot of teammates <laughs> that I had who said they played wide receiver in high school and did, you know, came over to the DB side or whatever. I think it's, it's, it's a mix and match, a glass half empty, glass half full. I mean, I played a little receiver in high school, but then, you know, I moved over to the defensive side my junior year to play DB. And I'm like, yeah, I don't ever want to go back over to uh, the offense in any okay. way, shape, or form. The off, only offensive type situations I had was um, returning kicks, you know, in, in high school. And clearly when I got to college, that definitely was not about to happen in, in that scenario. But, uh, yeah, man, you know, clearly from the DB standpoint, some of us can catch others. Okay. We got to use okay. the body. So it's some. Okay. Some. No, yeah, no, I got it. I, I just yeah, want to hear from. I, I never heard a DB. I never got a chance to hear a DB defend himself on that. So definitely, man. Good stuff. As always, we appreciate you. Busy, busy man. So we'll let you get back to business. But again, thank you. And I'll be looking forward to the game this weekend. All right, Corey. Safe travels to you and your crew down there. And, you know, wish you guys the best of luck in this scenario. And at the end of the day, remember, we're all HBCU. So okay. go swag. Go swag. Appreciate it. Good stuff. Tiger Talk with the 1400 Club is presented by Bet Online.